The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, Charlotte. It's Tim Miner. And I hope you're ready for a really fun chat with the Charlotte creative today. It took me a while to get here, but it was worth the trip. Have you ever had an item on your to-do list that just, it just seems to hang there? You know, you're not scared of it. It's not something you don't want to do. It just seems to always be at the top. It never gets done. And then when you finally do it, you wonder what took you so long. Well, for me, today's podcast is an example of that. I've been meaning to catch up with Charlotte-based author Lawrence Gordon for months. He and I have talked about it many times. We've DM'd back and forth. We were going to do it, and it just never seemed to get done. But in mid-December, it did. And man, I am glad that we finally got to do it. We were supposed to talk for 20 minutes. We talked for two and a half hours. Okay, I know what you're thinking. You're not in for a two and a half hour podcast. Thanks to Andy Go and the magic of editing, we've got it down to a really tight and really exciting 30 minutes. But it's a talk about connection that I think you'll really enjoy. That connection and what happens when you take the time to match with those around you in authentic ways with an open mind, a ready ear, and a willingness to go with wherever that conversation where that connection takes you. Lawrence is a man who craves a connection his entire life. In his work with those struggling with substance abuse at Hope Haven, in his work as a basketball coach, and in his favorite job, which is being a father to three kids. And it's that desire to connect with his children, to be a tremendous father, to make sure that he's having the conversations now that he doesn't want to wish he had later that he's taken the time to listen to them and dream together. And that in turn led him to a very surprising place to becoming a children's book author. To date, he has written two children's books, each one with one of his children. And he's in the process of writing a third book with his third child. Now these books didn't come from a desire to be famous or to be rich or to somehow, you know, carve out a legacy. They came out of a genuine conversation with his children about what they were seeing in their lives, a desire to show representation in children's books, a desire to tell stories in a new way and to share the creative process. He has worked with his kids on these books every step of the way they've been in on it and he hasn't taken it easy on them. They've edited, they've written, they've helped pick uh, illustrators. They have given feedback to them. They've been in on the business meetings. They've sat when you have to go to bookstores and sign and sell. They know what it's like to not only be creative, but to be a professional creative. And they've done it every step of the way together with their dad. And it's made their bond all the more unbreakable. And I think that's a story worth listening to. Now, speaking of stories, I think I've done enough to tell Lawrence's story myself It's about time you hear it in his own words. Here we are. Somehow we made it, Lawrence. Welcome to the Biscuit Podcast. Great to talk to you today. Man, Tim, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
All right. So we got a lot to get into, but we're going to start at the at the beginning. Okay. So yeah. how long have you lived in Charlotte? Tell us about your life in Charlotte. Yeah. So I got to Charlotte in 2012. So I've been here for right about eight years now um, by way of Atlanta um, and by way of Cleveland. That's where I'm actually from, Cleveland, Ohio. So Cleveland to Atlanta, where I went to college and spent majority of my adulthood well, my twenties <laughs> and now I'm in right now I'm in Charlotte. <laughs> so, all right. So you, so you had fun in your twenties and so then you had to move to Charlotte. What, what brought you here? I just wanted something new transition. Um, I was transitioning jobs. And so I figured, you know, Hey, why not a new place? So I came up the road and I figured, Hey, it's a three and a half hour drive. And I came up here because I used to work with Nike basketball and do a lot of coaching. So I came up here to spend some time with a friend for the summer and just really enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed the city. Um, you know, people say that Charlotte is like Atlanta's uh, distant cousin. Um, it's like distant, distant, distant. Uh, but it's it's a, a good pace for me. It's a good pace for me. And I'm super excited to be here. It was a great move for me. Great move. Great move. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I think that the uh, relationship that Charlotte and Atlanta have has, has uh, evolved a bit. I'll, I can yeah. take the, the distant cousin. Yeah. But I actually think that for many years, our relationship was much more because I've been here since the eighties. Right. And it was the, the younger sibling that, that looks jealously at maybe the middle sibling, you know, that looks jealously yeah, yeah, at the older yeah. one and says, <laughs> you know, mom and dad always like you better. And then looks right. at the youngest sibling and goes, you get away with everything. Like Charlotte right. forever was comparing itself to Atlanta unfavorably. And it's anytime Atlanta would do something, idea. Charlotte's yeah. like, I want to be that. And every time I'm in the traffic in Atlanta, I'm thinking, why yeah. do we want to be more? Do we really like want to be there? Right. No, you don't. So once you got here, what do you tell us about your life? What do you do? Tell us about your family and, and yeah. uh, where you find yourself today. And then we're going to get into your creative passions. Awesome. Yeah. So I actually am a VP of workforce uh, development and housing at a therapeutic community here in Charlotte called Hope Haven. It's a nonprofit and we focus on um, serving people who are impacted by substance use and homelessness. So that's what I'm doing during the day. I also coach at Carmel Christian. So I love basketball. Um, That's another give back that I love to do, spend time with young people. Um, I'm a father of three kids, uh, Lauren, Landon, and Henry, and also a husband to a beautiful and amazing wife, Sarah. And so uh, that's what I'm doing during the day. That's my family structure. And uh, yeah. I can't, we need to have a whole nother podcast about the work, <laughs> about the, well, about the work that you're doing at Hope Haven. Cause I can't imagine how yeah. much more challenging that's been during a pandemic. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we have about 140 uh, people, single men, single women, families that live there 24 <laughs> seven. So it presents its level of anxiety, right? right? Because you're already working with people who are trying to focus on recovery, right? So you add a pandemic onto that um, and then stress kind of elevates. So we've seen uh, relapses. We've seen um, just a lot of challenges that come with stress and trying to manage those things. So yeah, that's a, 
that's a whole nother conversation, but we're doing well there. Super excited. There's, there's so many success stories happening in Charlotte. Well, and an excellent reputation for Hope Haven in Charlotte for quite, quite some time. So thank you for doing a lot of great work. Thank you for doing that. Cause that's, that, that is critical, important, thankless, unsung hero kind of work in any year, but this year I can't even begin. And it, it, it seems to me then if you look at your jobs at Hope Haven and as a yep. coach and as a father, you, you seem to like, or at least feel drawn to helping build people, right? Helping people at least move forward either as, as children and become, uh, you know, young adults from young adults into, you know, young men or young women, and now helping people kind of find their path again. That seems to be a passion for you. Am I if I'm yeah, definitely. Yeah. I actually ran into a gentleman the other day at Hope Haven and he said, you know, Lawrence, I want to, I want to be like you one day. And I said, I turned to him. I said, you know what, man, there's no difference between me and you, right? The only difference is that we're at different parts of our life, but everything that you've gone through, the story that you have, I'm just here to help you embrace it, right? Like just embrace your story, embrace the failure in your life and use that as a, as motivation to stay resilient and to get after what you really want to do in life. And I said, because that's the only thing that really separates me and you is that I've embraced my failure and embraced some of the things that I weren't, I was not good at. And I just, you know, we we were talking before this, it's like, you know, some things you just kind of stumble into and you fail your way forward and fail fast and you, thank God for the support system that's around you to encourage you through those tough times. And so, yeah, but I love getting around people who want to, you know, be adventurous, want to learn, want to grow, want to be better and aren't afraid to be vulnerable about their failures um, and, and, and create conversations that are healthy enough to put people in a safe place to talk about, like, how do I get better? Right. Well then, so speaking of, of, um, getting into conversations and helping mm-hmm. people with their stories, take us through what was, what's your journey to becoming an author? Ben? Yeah. is this something that came easily to you that you always, that you always loved and, and always wanted to do, or is this something you've come to later on in life? Yeah. So it's crazy, right? Um, I've always been into writing poetry, uh, things like that, but, um, this is a little motivation, like for people that are at, whatever point in their life and, and they try to recreate themselves. Right. So my mom passed away December 2nd of 2018, like suddenly, like she just got sick in like October of that year. Next thing you know, it, she's no longer with us. Right. And I sat down with my family and said, you know what? She was an educator, taught special education for 30 years in Cleveland and in Atlanta. And um, she was always a, uh, advocate for youth and for those that are, that kind of got counted out. Right. And so I said, what better way to honor her? Um, and I lost my grandmother that year as well. Um, her mom, right. Her mom passed away like two months before she did, which I think that was really the reason for her death, just heartbreak. Right. But, um, so I said, what better way to honor her, my mother, than to lean in to the education space and write children's books. And my wife looked at me, my kids looked at me like, 
yeah, okay. Right? <laughs> like, you know how you have those ideas, right? Like, I'm going to run a 5K. And it's like, your, your family looks at you like, you might want to start walking, right? Like, that, yeah. that would be a good starting point, right? I'm going to be in a, you know, I'm going to start lifting weights, right? And it's like, you might want to start, like, doing some push-ups at night. Like, start small. Set the pizza so down me, first. <laughs> I mean, I listen, right, I know the same right. thing. I went to my family a couple of years ago. I said, guess what? I want to start a nonprofit. Like and it was, you could hear the record skip. Right, wait, right. Like, wait you a might minute. Sorry, in church sounded like you bit. said you want to start a nonprofit. <laughs> right. So I say, I want to write children's books. Obviously you get those looks like, yeah, all right, right. Let's go for it. Right. And so I'd started, I, I literally just started writing a manuscript with my daughter, my oldest, my daughter, who's my daughter, Lauren. Um, she's my oldest child. And we just started kind of brainstorming and talking through ideas. And, and next thing you know it, boom, Unicorn Dreams is here, right? Our first book uh, published, ready to go. Uh, and it's out. Next conversation I have with my son. And we're talking about fear. We're talking about bullying. We're talking about all of these other things. And he's sitting down giving me ideas. And boom. Dad, the bully and the orange ball is created and that's out now. Right. And so we're two books in in two years and it's crazy. Right. Like it's crazy to think that as a as a parent and as a father, someone that's a visionary, someone that likes to show their you know, I like to show my children that you can turn your dreams into reality. I mean, how beautiful is it that something that did not exist, something I do not have a background in that I did the research, I did the work, I did the studying, and we put together two books with, with alongside of them. And now they can, now as they get older and I tell them like, hey, if you believe it, if you can see it, you can actually do it. They have a blueprint in place for what that looks like. And, and that's honestly, you know, Tim, how I'm really measuring success as well is like, as a parent, it's, have you ever told your child something that you could actually bring to pass in their lifetime, like while they're still here? That's a beautiful thing in itself, but we've actually sold over 800 books, which is like, that's every phenomenal. time, every time we get an order, I kid you not, Tim, I'm like, man, somebody bought a book. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think <laughs> it that blows the minute, my mind. The minute it doesn't, you're not doing the right thing. Yeah, it blows my mind. And so our third book is coming out next year. As as you know, I have a another child, Henry, and he's one. And so we have Henry's Puppy Stand, which is going to be a counting book um, coming out next year. So, yeah, my 12 and 11 year old, they're older. And I pressed the reset button when I got remarried. Pray for me. And now we're starting this process all over. So now I'm writing a book for kids that count. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're, you, you got it down now, right? I mean, you yeah. got it. Yeah, I, I got it down. Now. I can tell you, I have some experience in this, in the sense that when my daughters were small and I have a, I have a 15 and a 17 year old daughter. Um, sorry, I have 15 and 17 year old daughters. Let me right. use the English language properly. Right. Um, when they were small, we just started every night. We would sit down with a, with a blank piece of paper and a pen and we would draw for five minutes just just any character comic book characters normally yeah uh and then we started a blog and all and the process of creating with kids of saying of being vulnerable as an adult because you know i hadn't drawn in a while and uh was no picasso but doing it with them 
Uh, that's a memory that I don't think any of us are ever going to forget. I mean, what, what is it like for you to sit down and create with your kids and show them, Hey, again, as you've said, just start. We don't know where this is going to go. Let's see where it takes us. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about it is that, you know, as fathers, right, Tim, we, we feel as if we could see the future, like we could see what we know our children can be but we really don't know, right? We can just really focus on the building blocks, um, you know, while they're under our roof. And so me sitting down with my children, like this past weekend, we had a a pop-up shop in our neighborhood and I'm sitting down with my daughter and um, she's signing books. We're selling books. She's writing notes in the book for kids and she's taking credit cards, ringing them up, going through that whole transaction process saying thank you, learning customer service skills at 12. And she's taking pictures with kids and we're out there from 10 to two, right? And my son was with me um, the weekend before doing the same thing. And another vendor saw us and she comes over and donates a sweater that my daughter was looking at at her shop and gave it to her and said, you know what? for a 12 year old to sit out here for four hours, signing books, taking pictures with kids, like, wow, like that's just amazing. And to be out here with your dad, you know, promoting your book. Um, right. Like, cause it's easy for me to just promote these books myself, but they're out there too. And just trying to learn and teach them that yes, you can have faith. Yes, you can dream, but it also takes work. Right. Right. You got to put the work in. Right. And and I think that's one lesson that I'm trying to also teach them is that come alongside of me and let's create. But through that creative process, just know that there's a there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, consistently getting it out there, because, as you know, Tim, is starting your company. You know, you're going to have some good days, bad days. You're going to have people that believe in you. You're going to have people that you know, they don't believe in you. And the thing about being a creative is that you can have the best idea, right? For everybody in your home, I love it. But then when you produce that and create it and take it to market, now someone else can actually form an opinion. Right. <laughs> right. And, and that can also be, right. We have people come to the table, read the book in front of us, put it down and say, thank you and walk away. Right. right? And, and I told my daughter, I was like, Hey, not everybody's going <laughs> to be excited about this and that's okay. Right. That's, that's cool. And that's, and we learned that lesson. Right. And so it's, it's a, it's a beautiful process and I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And, <laughs> and I'm just hoping that we can continue to grow this thing. Well, I think what, what uh, you're also teaching your kids and, and maybe what the person that picked up the book, read it, set it back down and walk away doesn't right. know right. is how many steps I think as someone who's spent their career in, in creative arts, right. Mm-hmm. Somebody will somehow we have in society, like a healthy understanding of how much goes into plumbing a house, right. right? How much goes into being a lawyer, how much, but, but when it comes to writing poetry, designing a logo, managing an event, learning how to dance, playing a song. Somehow people think, many people think it's just instantaneous, right? You just do it. Someone will come up and I I literally, at least once a week, someone's like, hey, Tim, I need an idea. And I'm like, okay, I need to work this out. Wait, you can't just create it right now? Like, no, this takes a lot of steps. (laughs) In the same way that your job takes a lot of steps. And I think that's really, you're teaching your kids that there's, 
nothing comes easy, right? Almost, I tell my kids all the time that committing to a creative life is, is almost like creating, you know, committing to a life of masochism. Like you have to be, Mm -hmm. you have to be ready to put in the hours, deal with the failures, have the low points, right? And then be prepared that not everybody is going to get all the steps. And to, so to that end, right. You did that in your own story when you were talking about, well, I decided I want to do a children's book. And a year later we had unicorn dreams. <laughs> right. Right. Not enough people. I took a course with my father a couple of years ago in children's children's book illustration. And we got just a glimpse at how difficult it is to take it from idea to holding a bound book in my yeah. hand. And you were new at this. So tell us a little bit about, just give us an appreciation of the process. Like you decide, okay, I'm going to do this. Right. You got to so find you, an illustrator. So you you got to write it, edit it. How did that, all that go for you? Yeah. So our, our creative process is right. We come up with an idea. <clears throat> hey, my daughter was like, Hey, I want to write a book and I know I want unicorns in it. Right. I want that in there. And you know, we're like, okay, cool. And so she, we, we were like, okay, but these characters have to have names, right? So we try to get some names and we're like, oh, I think I got, and you know, she's like, I think I got that name off of like a Disney and we can't use that, right? And I'm like, nah. <laughs> never, never too early to learn about copyright infringement. Right, we're not trying to <laughs> stop this thing before it even gets started. So like, nah, I can't use that. So Don't take um, on the house of mouse. Right, right. So, so you go through that process, right, of like, because most kids, their creative is off of what they've seen on TV or something. So they're getting ideas from there. So we get the names, we write it out. Um, I, ca- I call her my chief mom officer, which is my, my wife. So she sees the she sees the manuscript probably first. And she, you know, it's a beautiful thing, right? Like Tim, I'm sure you know, this is like when you give your wife something and say, hey, be critical, shoot holes through this. And it's like, they're just like, yes. And this is like, they just go in on you. And it's like, whoa, don't go so hard. Like, man, like they shoot holes in it. Like, yeah, I like this. Or hey, because, you know, my some of my father friends have kids. I, I, I want them to read it to them to see if, hey, is this something you would even buy? Well, and finding those honest friends, right? That's the hard yeah. part because you don't yeah. want someone that's just going to be like, Lawrence, this is wonderful. You know, and yeah. then they're going home going, he's never going to make this, that yeah. happen. They, they, he's not going to sell one of these. Yeah, so they, so that's a very... As any entrepreneur out there, like you have to create a, a community of people that can be honest. Honestly, the book counts on it because there's too much of an investment for them not to be honest, right? Like you need them to be brutally honest. So you go through that whole process and then you pitching it to uh, publishing companies at that point. So once you feel like you have a manuscript, you take it to an editor, pay the money to get it professionally edited. I don't care how good of a writer you think you are. Yes, you major in English. Yes, <laughs> your husband is like the smartest guy. Get it professionally edited from a editor who actually writes children's books because there's a rhythm, there's a art to that. Um, and and so I had to learn that process as well. And an editor told me, like Lawrence, do it right or do it twice. Mm-hmm. And and so you pay the money to get it done the right way the first time um, so that you're not having to pay for it again. And so you go through that process and then you pitching it to publishing houses. People may reject it. People may, you know, I got, we, I got our books accepted by Warren Publishing, who's a local publishing house here in Charlotte. And they do an amazing job. And, um, and, then, you, and then you, as a self-published author, you make, there's an initial investment. And then... Four to six months later, 
they the book is out. So it takes about four to six months for right, and that's after you've worked with the illustrator too, right? To, yeah. To so that illustration online. of storyboarding is during that time period. Because before they can start the putting the book together, it takes about two months for the illustrator to storyboard it. And then once that's done, right? Like my kids approved every illustration. Wow. What a great so, lesson for them. So I show it to them and I say, hey, do you like this? Do you not like this? Do you like the colors? And they're like, oh, I don't like the way I look on there. I, yeah, I like the way I look. And I know this is on a podcast, but you can't see the books, but we'll show them where to go. But if you see a picture of my son and then look at the cover of that, the Billy and the Orange Ball, you, you can see him in a cartoon form. We're going to so, include that in the, in the notes with this. Yeah. Podcast, so both so. of my kids and myself, and I'd say, you, you know, if you see me in real life, like I'm kind of a, you know, I'm six to kind of thin, but if you see in my books, I'm like, I'm buff. Like I got, muscles. <laughs> hey, if you're, you're going to pay money to be illustrated, like right. it might as well be ripped. All right. Somebody said, man, you kind of gained some weight in these pictures. I was like, listen, when you can, when you write your own story, you can make yourself look however you want to. And so, so yeah, we go through that whole process. And after that, then we come up with a marketing strategy, a go to market. How are we going to get this book out? Um, and, and, and then we're just grounding and pounding from there, just trying to get our money back that we invested. I mean, that's also a goal is to just get a, even if it's a $1 profit, we try to focus right. on how do we get our investment back? So I'm teaching my kids about that whole process Absolutely. that you make that investment, make it in something that you're excited about, and then focus on how do you, how do you get that back and how do you turn a profit and how do you take something to market. And so we go through that whole process and I try to work with them. And, you know, I'm trying to teach my kids the value of a dollar because every time they turn around, it's like they want to spend something um, on something. And it's like, do you know how hard it is to get a dollar? You well, know? I think they have a pretty good idea of that. I mean, what's impressive to me is that after watching your your daughter go through it, your son want, was ready to to do it himself. So. Yes. Like, yes. He, when we were at a book signing at Park Road bookstore for Lauren last year, signing books and Landon was there like, Hey, so when is my turn coming? Right. Like, and it's like, he, it got him excited. And so now that his book is out, um, he's signing books. He's so excited about this That's process. Awesome. And he, you know, he Googles himself and he sees the book pop up and he shows it to his friends in class and, uh, you know, with everybody being on the computer right now. So, he, you know, he'll, hey, look at me. And his friends like, oh, my gosh, your dad's an author. You know, so that feels cool, too. Right. You know, that your, your, your kids can go brag on you a little bit in school and and they have something to brag about, which is a positive thing for fathers. You know, I do think for for fathers, uh, you know, I could never this is very stereotypical. I, I know a lot of dads do jobs that their kids just don't get. Like I mean, right. my father was, was in, when I was uh, the age of your kids, he was in inventory can, you know, control. I mean, what I, I, Staying around the playground. What are you telling you telling right. people about, right. but doing something that's really tangible yep. like that, that your kids can participate in and see uh, I worked in restaurants. Then they started to get it right. You know, I did yep. some land development. They got to go out there and see it. And now with what I'm doing with, with Charlotte's creative, they get to come out to the events and things like that. I think that's really critical. Um, and, and speaking of those kind of critical interactions, you are passionate about reading to children. 
yeah, about, about having yes. that participatory experience. Why is that so, so important in any year? But why has it been particularly important in a year like 2020? Yeah. So when we started this process, our a part of our go to market strategy was centered around um, our community here in Walnut Creek. And so we said, you know, we're going to start a book club. We're going to start reading to kids. And this is before the books came out. Like this is months before, you know, my first book came out. So we would meet every Tuesday and um, and I would just gather kids and read and talk about the importance of um, fathers showing up. Right. And then coming into the, the 2020 year, um, the pandemic hits and one of the parents reached out to me and said, hey, you know, are we still going to you know, me. And I said, well, how are we going to do that? Right. Cause our clubhouse was closed. She said, well, just do it on Facebook live. Right. Like it's, it, it goes back to that, like how easy, just do it on Facebook live. Make it happen. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I like, I've never done that before. So, so the first time we do it, um, I think I had my daughter holding the phone and right. Like her hands shaking the she drops the phone like i'm in the middle of a story right so it's just the cluster like it's just (laughs) right and so we're like all right so that didn't work that well and so we went and invested in a tripod right like somebody's like just buy a tripod and click your phone on it and then it'll be a lot more professional so i'm like oh great okay so we we do facebook live from my laptop we have my phone set up on Instagram live on a tripod. So now I'm, I'm like my own media company and, and we just started going live and started really, you know, every Tuesday we went live and we gathered as a community. And, and this is around its time where you, you have George Floyd passing, like you have these, the civil unrest in America. And so you see a black man coming live talking about community talking about people coming together. You have white kids, black kids. I had um, a white father come in and read with me. I had a white mom come and read with me. Like, so to show our community that we are better together. And so we all came together and we were socially distanced and they would come read a book and we wanted. And so it went from me doing it by myself to, man, we can use this as an opportunity to show that we are better together. We need one another. And then we turned it and said, you know what? Let's show our kids. So we started doing a kid's spotlight where we had the kids come on. Black kids, white kids, you know, brown kids. They were coming on and reading and reading together. And we did this split screen where I had my son read and another kid read. And it just created this thing that is like, wow. And that's what I was trying to pump out and show the my community and everybody that would listen that there is, there are so many communities like mine across the country, across the world that, that yes, they see color, but we come together and we come together and we, we, we celebrate each other's differences. And that can start with me and Robert, me and Marianne. That also can be Landon and Karis, Landon and Magic, Lauren, and write in and just different people that are in our community that come together and read Caroline, Olivia, Sadie, all of these people that have come and have been a part of this community of reading and togetherness are all different colors. And so I think that's been the most powerful thing in the pandemic. And then once I had to get back to Hope Haven and 
every day. We had we, we're trying to figure out the best way to go about doing that, because, as you know, being a family guy, um, you you when, when I was home every day, it was easy for me to plan that stuff. But now I'm back working um, and getting out into the community. We're trying to find a, a creative way to do that. But that's been the most beautiful thing about the readings this year is that the blending of families. I'm in a blended family and we talk about all of these things. And you'll be amazed, Tim, at the when you create a safe place for a child to talk, um, you'll be shocked at how they just don't know what's going on. And it's up to us as fathers to stand at the gates of our homes, our communities, and to be the answer for where those questions are. And I figure what better way to do that than over story time. I think that's incredible. And it's, you know, it's really easy to slag 2020 off as, you know, dumpster fire every year, terrible year. Um, But out of it, out of so much unrest and uncertainty and, and unpleasantness, there have been moments like this where people have found ways to come together Um, and so through, through your efforts at Walnut Creek in your books, it's just been a a privilege for me to, to sit back and watch you build community. And I can't wait to see you do that even more. And I hope, hope we get to be kind of crazy. Uh, we, we call them, uh, you know, creative troublemakers or creative co-conspirators, uh, you know, so we can, we can, uh, create some havoc next year. I've got one more question for you Yeah, and it is. If for somebody who is outside of the Queen City, how would you rec- how would you describe to them what our creative community is like? And by the way, that can be for adults or for kids. What what's the creative community of Charlotte like? What's the personality of it? Um, vulnerability, right? Like I love that word, and I learned that word through connecting and spending time with other creatives here in Charlotte is is you have to embrace the unknown and the vulnerability of of hey this might be a bad idea <laughs> right? <laughs> probably like, is but let's find out right right is like this might not go well but hey i'm with tim tim believes in me and i'm just going to give it a go right and i think that is charlotte in a nutshell it's it's a place where you cannot know, literally, you mm-hmm. cannot have the money. You may not know where you're going to get the money, but you have an idea and you have a tribe. Um, one of my good friends, Sydney, she calls it the good vibe tribe. She's a mirrorless here. In, in, Sydney Duarte. Yes. Oh, she yes. is. She's the, my people. She's part of the heartbeat of the creative community. here. In yes. Charlotte. And, and she says these good vibe tribes and, and, and that's Charlotte, right? It's a good vibe tribe of people who come together, not knowing, um, but they're vulnerable. And I think that is so authentic, right? Because for anyone that wants to try something, um, for anyone that wants to, you know, that is looking at Charlotte from the outside and saying, man, that's so intriguing. Just know it all started from a vulnerable place where they probably didn't even know that that was going to continue after that moment. 
but it took that moment for them to build the confidence in the creative process. And I think that's Charlotte. And that's what I would say for people looking outside, looking in and wanting to kind of understand, right, what it is all about. Um, and I could continue to go on and on, but for the sake of time, I will. <laughs> I, but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that um, Charlotte is a place where you can do exactly what you said, which is start. You can step out of line. Uh, we've, we've seen Charlotte is a place that will forgive you for failing. There are other communities or other cities that you got one shot. And if you don't, if you don't hit it, hit it out of the park, or if it's not a success first time, you're done. And here you will be celebrated for trying. Uh, Other people will, will be, will want to be part of your success and celebrate your failure in the right way, which is, Hey, we all learned something. And I think, I think you're exactly right. That collaboration is the key in Charlotte and people want to be part of your story and uh and that that's a beautiful thing well i'm i'm saying i want to be part of your story thank you Ford, and i hope you will be part of mine uh, yes, i really sir. love what you're doing i you know when i was a kid the what i wanted to be when i grew up was a dad uh, and oh, i'm wow. not saying <laughs> i know I, I don't know what what that was about but i wanted to be a father and i and i loved working with kids like you i uh, probably not at the level that you uh, definitely not at the level you coach, but I, you know, I coach basketball, baseball, soccer. <laughs> I, I love, I love working with, with kids and youth because I don't know that I ever really grew up. And that's because I, I want to keep, I want to be a little scared every day and do something mm-hmm. I've never done before. And I do think you're right. This is a town to do that in. And, yes. and you're surrounded by people that really will, will be there with you, learn with you, you know, collaborate with you and, and he'll pick you up if, if it doesn't go right. So really great talking to you. I, uh, if people are interested in buying your books, tell, uh, tell them how they can, how they can do that. Yeah. So, um, if you want to sign copy, you can go through my website, booksbylg.com, and my kids sign every book. Um, we write a note, and um, we'll send it out to you. Um, if I'm also on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and obviously those aren't signed copies. However, you can buy them. And if I'm in your area, um, I would love to sign them. And um, yeah, so booksbylg.com and reach out to us on Instagram at booksbylg, also on Facebook. Um, and we would love to connect with our community, with people I love seeing pictures of kids reading, dads reading to kids. Um, I love them reading our books to their children and taking pictures and capturing that and posting it. And um, yeah, just connect with us and, and we will love it. And you'll see my kids in real time. You know, they get on social media and, and also try to connect with our, our readers. So we're just taking this one day at a time, Tim. I, 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 feel, I feel a Caldecott Award coming Coming oh, wow. for for some member of the of the Gordon family. Yes, you're gonna yes. bring it. Bring another one home to Charlotte. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I, I hope to talk to you again soon. Uh, but loved your story. Go tuck your kids in. Yes, thank you, Tim. Thanks to Lawrence Gordon for speaking with us, and most importantly, thank you, the listener, for tuning into the Biscuit Podcast. 
That's all the time we have for today's episode of The Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to The Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell them yourselves. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every week by subscribing to the Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. The Biscuit Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network and produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Go of Gojo Studios. Music by Harvey Cummings. Music by Harvey Cummings.